Oi, oi, and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast with myself, Stephen Nussbaum, and as always, my good friend, South Dan Chum, the bearded legend. He has returned to the UK, Mr. Paul Levy. Yeah, following Brexit, I am back. Um, welcome, everybody, to the final podcast of the 2016-17 season. This is episode number 106, and what a long season it feels like it's been. In this episode, we're going to painfully review the season on a month-by-month basis, and we've got a few guests lined up later in the show to get their views and opinions as well. So, without further ado, I think it's best we just crack on, and we'll start with a very brief week that was. Yep, okay, so this week, Monday the 8th of May, Clover Legend takes place with Kevin Lisby, John Mackey, and Gary Alexander's teams all making an appearance at Brisbane Road on Monday evening, so I'm laughing because I have to talk about it. Um, yeah, so it was right. Good turnout. Yeah, um, supporters in the yeah, crowd. Yeah, yeah, right. Decent amount of supporters. Um, first game was Mackie v Alexander, uh, goalkeeper for Alexander's team. Actually, got injured in the warm up and oh, it looked wow. like he wasn't going to be able to play, <coughs> but he did, and his team won one nil. So that keeper kept a clean sheet. So well done, uh, and it was a fantastic goal by all accounts. That I missed because I was obviously. Getting changed. Getting changed with Kev's team. And then in the second game, it was Lisby v Mackey. Uh, if you were there, you would have seen me playing left-back or trying to attempt to play left-back. That game finished 1-0. Uh, a good goal from Carl Savage on the right. Gave Mackey's team the lead. And then obviously mm-hmm. Super Kev uh, equalised with a great equaliser. And then the last match, which I'd rather not talk about. Why? You'll, you'll see. Um, was Alexander v Lisby in like a winner. Takes all. So we needed to win, and Alexander's team needed to draw, or win to win the tournament. Uh, our keeper made a few fantastic saves. However, I was the man who ended up beating the goalkeeper as I put through my own net uh, to give Alexander's team a one 0 lead. Oh shame! Yeah, shame. But was it was it a, obviously you didn't place it in the net? Was it you trying to block it and it's just come off you? I tried to clear it out for corner. Scored an own goal. Oh really? Was it yeah. skim skim over your yeah, foot yeah. back into the? Yeah, oh, that's rubbish. a shame. It was rubbish, and um, we lost the game two one. Okay. Um, but a great turnout, a great night. Thanks to Gary, John, uh, Kev for sorting it out. And good to meet a few new faces who listen Josh, to the podcast. Josh Landy, obviously. Well done to Josh mm. Landy. And yeah, a good night had by all. And hopefully they'll do it again next year. Seems like they're already kind of talking about it. Okay. Um, Was there a bit of a gathering in the gallery afterwards? In the sports club. Oh, where okay. they awarded Elliot Byrne, one player of the tournament for Alexander's team. Okay. Our keeper won it for Lisby's team. And the guy who scored Alexander's first goal, the younger kid who was very good actually in centre mid won it for his team his team yeah. so yeah a good night a good night so yeah, very interesting good. and I can, at least I can say I have scored at Brisbane Road and yeah. leave it at that yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> where we're going with let's that. not go there though. let's not no, go yeah. so that was Monday um, Tuesday the 9th of May you can tell it's a slow news week because all we've got is the fact that Omar Ritza uh, tweeted saying ah frustrating ready to go I want to get things rolling players friendlies staff pre-season already we need to move with three angry faces. To be fair, I think that's that's fine of Omer to do that. Clearly frustrated. Probably not best to put it on social media, but obviously he wants to get his point out there yeah. of how frustrated he is. Um, so fair play to him. So what do managers right who aren't on do. social media do? Rant to their assistant manager, I would have thought. But there you go. So Omer, calm yourself down, mate, on your own social media. And also on Tuesday, the heavily <laughs> rumoured press conference. So lots of rumours on the message board, on the Facebook groups, on Twitter saying it was all planned, it was all done, it's all been signed, um, didn't 
happened and nothing transpired out yeah. of that. So make of that what you will. Yep. Uh, so Wednesday the 10th of May, Omar was back on social media. He tweeted saying, all pre-season fixtures are nearly complete, give or take. We can't just sit. Hashtag proactive. So that's good to hear because... Obviously, at this time of year, this is exactly the sort of behaviour that you want to hear yeah. and see coming out of the club. Well, exactly. Um, I mean, because players, otherwise, you leave it too late, you get nothing. Yeah, clubs are already, you know, starting to release their players and sign players for the upcoming season. Like Hartlepool have already got out their retained list and are already selling season tickets. Crew have done their Loads release list. So we, you know, we, we've seen a mile behind already where other clubs are. And yeah, we are. As a manager, that must be frustrating, uh, Omer, um, massively. So Thursday, eleventh of May. Sammy Moore um, tweeted a thank you um, and a message to the Orient fans, which reads like a farewell message. So yeah. Sammy tweeted saying, I just want to thank everyone at Leighton Orient FC for their support for the last two seasons. The staff and fans have been unreal. There's been many highs and many lows, but the fans were always 110% behind us. Some of the best fans. Things didn't work out with the vision I had when signing, unfortunately, but I've met an unreal bunch of lads. Special thank you to Pete and the medical team for their support in my recovery and back, for getting me back in the game. Good luck to Orient in the future. They will bounce back. For now, I'm going to enjoy the summer with my family and look forward to my next adventure. So that was Sammy, and that reads like a farewell. Sammy, if you're listening and you want to have an interview with us, we'll be more than happy to welcome you into Orient Outlook podcast hours. You know, Sammy's first season was never present until his injury, really, yeah. uh, which he picked up and he scored you know, two fantastic goals against Notts County, one of them an absolute screamer. How do you remember? I don't even remember all that. I'm amazed you don't remember that. That was a belter. Um, and then, obviously, in the summer, got loaned out to Dover. I think a few eyebrows were raised yeah. when that with happened. A no, with a no-return clause. Yes. Uh, well, at that point, we had Kelly, didn't we, where Atangana, I guess you could say in one curse. So at that point, you're thinking, well, I get it, but it's not the right thing to do. And he came back, got recalled, made the start. You're thinking, well, he'll be a useful addition here in our relegation battle. Um, and didn't really transpire for him, got injured, and looks like he's leaving the club. Well, so, yeah. yeah, unfortunately with that one. But as I say, you know, Sammy, you are welcome anytime on this podcast. Absolutely. So, there was nothing to report on Friday the 12th of May. On Saturday the 13th of May, Omar Ritzer was back on social media confirming the pre-season games that he already has arranged. So, dates for your diaries... Harlow Town away on the 11th of July, that is a Tuesday night. Yep. Lincoln at home on the 18th, that's obviously another Tuesday night. Reading at home on the 29th. Now obviously, you know, if they go into the Premiership, will they go on a pre-season tour of some sort? Will they will they fulfil that fixture? Will they bring a Reading 11? Yeah, good point. So that's the one I'm looking at going. If they're Premiership, I'm not sure about that one. Yeah. But um, we'll see. I mean, we're still, for a conference club, which come on to, we're still a massively big club. We're probably the largest, if not the top, oh, absolutely. up there in the top two or three. Yeah. Um, and then we've got Dulwich Hamlet away uh, on the 1st of August. And also uh, announced on the 1st of August is Averley away. So I'm assuming there'll be an Orient 11 at both of those games. So um, interesting dates for your diary there, guys. Uh, later on in the day, Omar also tweeted that he's got his wrists slapped. Yeah. Who by it, we don't know, <laughs> but he got them slapped. He's been a very <laughs> naughty boy. Um, <laughs> Sunday 14th of May um, so today well done to the Orient ladies who beat Crawley Wasps 3-1 as they will win the League Cup and do the double for the season and someone said it's a treble um, so they've obviously won something else which are League and two cups isn't it probably um, so well done to the ladies well done um, on another fantastic season next season they get promoted and go in a harder league um, and hopefully they can keep up their fantastic run 
throughout the last couple of seasons. <clears throat> yeah. So the big breaking news of today, we think, or for the past week, is that rumours that were starting to circulate late in the evening um, around a newly set up firm called Eagle Investments 2017 Limited with Nigel Travis as a director, description, other sporting activities. And this is something that's come up off of the company's house register. Yeah, someone I think has so, gone into the company's house register, searched for Nigel Travis and found he's just formed a new company called Eagle Investments Um Obviously, there's a link there because Orient used to be known in the 18, 1880s. 1880s as yeah. Eagle FC. Um, so people are putting two and two together, maybe coming up with five, maybe coming up with four. Who knows? But there's a lot of rumours coming up. There's another guy who's being linked as an investor who follows the podcast who lives in Texas somewhere. I mean, we have listeners from all over the world and followers on Twitter. It could be a coincidence. But he's in finance. It he might not be. Far, Wells Fargo. Mate, so we're a great podcast. You know, whether you listen in <laughs> London or in Texas. So, you know, wherever yeah. you're listening in the world, um, I think it we was say James, hello. James Buchan that found it. And I don't know how he's found it or what made him do that. But potentially, and we're not getting too excited because at the moment we've been told that the club should have been bought several times over and the press conferences and everything should have been done by now. But... These things are not quick. Things take time when you're buying a business and investing millions of pounds. This isn't just someone buying, taking over a convenience store or something like that. You know, you're buying a massive, a massive um, purchase, really. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. That, so that's that's bringing you up to speed. We don't know any more than that, um, and until we got messaged that, we didn't even know that. So it's really a question of not getting too excited and and just really waiting and seeing what happens and and if and when something happens, then we'll be. Jumping for joy and deliriously excited about it all, but let's crack on. I think with the season round, yeah, this so isn't going to make for a good listen, unfortunately. But we'll do our best. No, we will reminisce upon mm. happier times and sad times. It was the worst of times, and it was the worst of times. So let's go. So August. So we were full of expectation, following some great um, pre-season transfer activity. You know, some big names came in: Liam Kelly, Gavin Massey, Callum Kennedy, Robbie Weir. Tom Parks, all players who had played at a much higher level, uh, a huge amount actually, who had been promoted the previous season. And we, I remember teams, when we yeah. were doing our pre-season roundup, you're looking at this going, we're going to smash it. And with the guys who we sit within the South Stand, you predict where the team are going to finish. And I think I predicted second with an obscene amount of points. Uh, uh, I think most people predicted like playoffs. As a bare minimum. As a bare minimum. So very optimistic going into the season. Season started... Uh, and after just three minutes, we scored the first league goal in League Two as Gavin Massey tapped in at the back post for a great cross from Sandy Semedo in a one-all draw away to Cheltenham. And then we got narrowly knocked out of the League Cup, 3-2 to Fulham, and two goals for PMC in his first appearance of the season. So he was looking good, fit, sharp, ready. Yeah. I remember speaking to Gavin Massey at the... Open day. Open day, yes. yeah. And, and he talked us through that goal. That was, I don't know, episode... No idea. 80-something. Um but no, and, and he talked really positive. I remember specifically him talking really positively about um, the season, the team, the squad that had been assembled. I mean, on paper, you look at that squad and that should have been an automatic playoff spot. Well, I remember you speaking to Callum, Robbie and Gavin and yeah. you said, what is the aim this season? And all of them were like, promotion. promotion. That's all they were saying. So a decent first away point. So yeah. that match was followed by a first league home defeat of the season as we lost 1-0 to Newport which brought us down to earth a bit. And then we followed that up with a superb home performance versus Stevenage as we beat them 3-0. And 
uh, as Dean Cox and Jay Simpson both made their first starts in the season. What names were um, we mentioning here? I know, Massey scored a brace, scored two good goals. And Dean Cox, if you remember, leapt like a salmon to score a rare header with a great cross from yeah. Harry Cornick. Remember Harry Cornick? I do. Cornick, Cox, Simpson, Weir, Kelly. That night we were on fire. Unbelievable. That night we'd done a bit of flag bearing as well. As the we did, night, yeah. Thanks to Howard. Yeah. That was a great performance. What an absolute... I mean, I'm sitting here now and I, I just can't believe it. Like, the names on paper that uh-huh. we had. Yeah. So then um, then we beat Grimsby away 2-1. Liam Kelly scored his first goal for the club. And a month disappointingly ended with a 2-1 home defeat as we conceded a late winner against Mansfield. Yep, so that meant in the league... Prior to the Mansfield game, we were fourth in the league with seven points from 12. So not a bad start. Not a bad return. No, we played 4-1-2, drawn one, lost one, seven points. And the positive goal difference, also very late August. If you remember, uh, Francesco Bichetti gave a meet the chairman evening in the gallery. It was a disaster. We, we, went, to that, didn't we, we won't go back over old ground, but that was very weird. When he walked in, it was like the headmaster had walked in and everyone went quiet. There was a bit of banter. You know, Bichetti said he was aiming for the premiership. Alessandro was there, Gagliardi was there. I mean, you can listen to all this and back Cheap it somewhere, somewhere basically. But very, a very weird evening. Um, no, no social media tweeting. No social media that we didn't hear, or I didn't hear, because I was too busy <laughs> tweeting about <laughs> tweeting about <laughs> it, which was amazing. So August, not a bad month, you know. It's disappointing all, it's an home, but an alright start. Get yourself going. Seven points yeah. from twelve is is really no no bad thing. So. September, despite not leaving the transfer window, it is announced on September the 1st, if I remember rightly, that Dean Cox has had his contract terminated by the club and unfortunately due to a non-disclosure agreement that he'd signed, he wasn't able to go into detail why. I'd say that was one of the main turning points against Bichetti. I think, I think people were on the fence. I think a few people already were starting to think this guy isn't what he, what he is or what he should be. But the Cox thing, for me, that was that was the hat-trick of things that broke the camel's, camel's back. I've already said, like, getting rid of Porter was the first one, getting rid of Nolan so early was the second one, and Cox was the third one. Get that trilogy together, for me, that that was the Good point. Um, that was the final point. Good but on point, the pitch, man. it started decently enough as we beat Morecambe away um, 2-1. As Liam Kelly got his third in three games, so Liam Kelly was starting to prove how good he was um, getting goals. And Jordan Barry got his first goal in a very decent away win, which was, followed, <laughs> which was followed by a two-away draw to high-flying Carlisle. So that was a very good result and a good goal there from young Harry Cornick, who scored his first Orient League goal in that one. Yeah, absolutely. So the month ended, disappointingly, unfortunately, with three defeats and a managerial change as we lost 1-0 at home to Yeovil, then 3-1 away to Notts County, and Andy Hessenthaler is given his marching orders. So that was the first managerial change of the season. And I remember um, when we'd done the podcast on the Sunday night, as we were reading the tweets that we'd got, lots of people wanting Hess gone from the club. And I remember yeah. as we were reading him thinking, actually, he might go here. And then he got let go on the Monday morning at 10am, yeah. which from a podcast perspective is absolutely the worst time to sack a manager when you're trying to push a new podcast. But... You know, <laughs> I don't think I was that sorry to see Hess go. No, really, I, he shouldn't have really been given the job. He said he didn't want it, and he did. He made some good signings in the summer, from what appeared to be his signings. So he seemed to be the key to getting Liam Kelly, as he knew the agent um, and a few others. But a shame, but not the right choice in the summer. I feel. 
I, do you know what? To add to what you, I don't really have that much to be honest. I completely agree with you. He didn't. He said in like March or April that anyone that took the Orient job would would be crazy, mm. and then he ends up taking it. Now, don't get me wrong. I understand the argument that the guy's got to put food on his table and he needs a job, and it's part of his career. But yeah. to come out and have said that in the first place and then take the job, it's kind of like you're the crazy guy here. Um, were they all his signings? We'll never, we'll never really know. the The rumor is that we've been, that we're aware of is that they weren't all his signings. No, but I think nonetheless, like, on paper, they were still really good, solid yeah, signings. Like I think players like Erico and Mezzo, you can probably gauge from your own conclusions who, but who are the the Weirs and the Kellys yeah, and, and the Masses. Were they his signings? We'll never know because I don't know if he'll come on and, and, and want to clarify anything but, but no, that's no. that's life but for me I don't think Hess was that tactically astute whether he was being dictated to what he could and couldn't do and who he should and shouldn't play I don't know I remember a lot of criticism he got was that he was never animated he just used to sit there Arms on folded. the bench people used to refer to Andy Edwards at the time who was his assistant manager about how much more Andy seemed to be involved and engaged yeah. um, with the game I remember that much coming out of it yeah that's it. So, um, Andy Edwards and Danny Webb took over for the Plymouth home game, where two early sending offs, sendings offs, sendings off, red cards, red cards. See us lose two 0 <laughs> in a bizarre match as the month comes on end. I tell you what, though, it is worth noting that that performance was probably the best I saw all season. There so, was passion, commitment, a desire to win against all odds, and people have criticised Paul McCallum for not for his work for his work rate and his ethic in that regard. But that night showed you what he could do, closing everything down. Everybody was on it. It was a stupid challenge from Robbie Weir. So he got Robbie got sent off after about 20 seconds, wasn't it? He got sent off really early. And then Yance, Yance yes. making his home debut he had after to about take 14 that. minutes. So he took one for the team. He Yance. took one for the team. But yeah. I guess my question, because I wasn't at the game, I was flying back from Scotland. I remember turning my phone on and it was like, one nil down after twenty minutes and two men sent off, and you're just like, "What is going on?" Yeah, but, the but what's is, a game? If, if McCallum can do that, if McCallum can do that once, why can't he like, do that every 100%. game? But I think everyone was very uplifted, like you said, by Edwards. The crowd were absolutely I remember fantastic you saying, that night, and we had an obscene amount of tweets about the effort and the spirit and about how players played for the shirt. Yes, and after that match, so yes. I remember that again. All these episodes are you can find them back in our on SoundCloud. Not on iTunes, but you'll find them on SoundCloud. SoundCloud, yeah, definitely. If you want to refer to them, but I can't imagine many people would. So that meant coming out of September, we'd slipped down the table to 17th as we played 11, won three, drawn three, but lost five with 12 points and the goal difference of minus two. So at that point, you're not really fearful of relegation after no. a pretty bad month. Really. No, not after a couple of months. But then in October, the month starts with a nil-nil away draw at Barnet. Decent ground. New one ticked off for me. Yep. Uh, which is followed up by the crazy appointment of... A non-English speaking Alberto Cavasin, who hadn't managed for five years. Yep. Last, uh, club, last club was Sampdoria, who he relegated, got relegated <laughs> with. You know, the omens were there, really. Yeah, I mean, I remember Vito. I don't remember this, but BBC London done a story in Sunday afternoon, and Vito went on. It was that day where Vito and Hendon both went on, and Hendon said, "FB told me to pick the team," and Vito said, "No, we didn't," and they were kind of contradicting what the other said. And then Vito said, "We're going to announce the manager this evening." Uh, and I remember a big meltdown on social media. I remember we didn't do the podcast until the Monday night because we knew the news was coming. And there were rumours of Graham Wesley was very heavily linked with his role. So was Decanio. So was Steve Evans at this point. And you're thinking, please, just be someone decent who's going to get you out, the, get us up there. Yeah. Someone who knows the league is going to be able to rescue our season. And I just remember a picture of this bald, old fella popping up on my screen and just laughing 
like loudly laughing in my bathroom to myself, just scratching my head, going, "What has he done? What has Bichette done now?" Yeah, well, I, I, I agree just, with you. I, just, I thought it was just history repeating itself. To be honest there. with you, you know, it didn't work with Liverani. <laughs> it isn't going to work with this guy. And you, and and he bring he brings in a young kid who couldn't translate properly. Yeah, yeah. Gianluca Festa, Middlesbrough defender's son. son. Yeah. Um. I mean, like, what what is going on here? It's just it's just chaos after chaos. And I think I think in I think in Bicchetti's mind, he tried Hessen Tyler. He tried Edwards, he tried this one, he tried that one, all English people, and he's like, right, well, that didn't work, um, so I'm going to bring in someone Italian. Yeah, I think and he said, I think he could say he tried the English way. Obviously, Nolan didn't give Nolan anywhere near enough time. Hendon, although personally I thought it was too early, I can see why he sacked Hendon. There were calls yeah, for Hendon. Ted, Hendon didn't have a, the best relationship with the fans. I think you can say Hess, again, you know, people were calling for Hess's head, so that, that sacking was fair enough. Uh, but then it just shows it you the appointments were wrong. Should fans have that sort of power, though? Should they have that level of influence? Well, that's, that's, the, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? So, Cavison was appointed. So, he, he had two very difficult home fixtures uh, to start his Orient career in the league. Yep. So, we had Portsmouth at home. So, we lost 1 0. And we were quite unlucky now, actually. And Portsmouth obviously went to go on and be champions. And pivotally, Liam Kelly got injured in that match and that was a long injury yeah, one that cost us massively his so knee wasn't it he done his knee yeah and then we lost 2-1 at home to Luton again another hard game Luton went on to finish in the playoffs and those two yeah. matches to be fair to Caverson you could see that he was trying to play it on the floor trying to play it from the back trying to do something a bit different so even though it wasn't the best choice you could see what he was trying to do and for that I guess you can only pat him on the back and say yeah, but the better managers point. will play a system that works for the players that they've got, not the players yeah. they want. Yeah. So if the players can't play out from the back, then you shouldn't be playing out from the back. But then that, that's not to say that you should go long ball. There is obviously a fine balance. Yeah. Um, yeah, so then a second half turnaround and an Ollie Palmer brace gave us a much-needed 3-1 win away at Hartlepool. But unfortunately, we end the month with a 2-0 home defeat to crew. Yeah, so that month was a real kind of damaging one as we slipped to 23rd in the league. So we played 15, won four, drawn three, lost eight, with a goal difference of minus four and 15 points. So at this point, we were four points ahead of Newport in 24th and just one point behind Cambridge in 22nd. So again, it's well still open. not alarming. It's no, still not alarming. No, at this point, you want Goal alarm. difference isn't too bad. Minus four is, is, is doable. Yeah. Um, so moving on to November. Um, I don't think people really want me to say this again, but the month started with a humiliating 6-0 FA Cup defeat to Sheffield United. That was in the first round of that yeah. cup. Um, obviously, you know, the most embarrassing defeat that I think we've we've had in, in quite some time and things clearly not working under Caversin. But amazingly, this is followed up by a 3-0 away win at Colchester. I think that took a lot of fans by surprise to go, to go up there and win. Jay Simpson got uh, got a brace and a rare Nicky Hunt goal gave us a much-needed win. Yep, and so then two more home defeats followed as we lost 2-1 to Blackpool. And obviously the Blackpool game was quite pivotal again in the season as that was the first loft protest against Mr Bichetti and you know obviously since this point Bichetti has not been seen down Brisbane Road as he continues to elude um, the fan base and the club and then we lost 1-0 to Exeter on a cold Tuesday night and this was when Miles Judd made his debut so I remember thinking this Miss Miles Judd he looks the business he looks the bees and knees yeah it did um, look good so following the Exeter defeat Alberto Caverson was given his marching orders. I remember that night, it was cold, it was November, we looked rubbish, Exeter looked rubbish, they just managed to get the goal. Um, 
and hold out. And for me at that point, no surprise that Caverson left. Um, more of a surprise of how long he lasted, actually, truth be told. Seemed like a nice guy. And again, we've heard he was a nice guy from various players and people at the club, but mm. the language barrier in League 2 is something that can't be overcome from, from our experience with the club and in League 1. And what was his farewell message all about? Got a massive farewell message just compared to people like Simpson and Cox who barely got two or four lines. Again, no Cox, no reflection on the media guys who work at the club. No, but you know, but that's Cavs Peter and Rob Bagliardi. Cavson seemed to go out as more of a hero uh, as opposed to a sacked manager. I 100% agree with you. And I brought this up at a fans forum with Rob Gagliardi and Vito. Neither of them could see the perspective that Dean Cox with two sentences and, and Cavison with a whole massive... Um, paragraph and, and, and whole big thing and a video and all the rest of it they couldn't see the disparity between the two yeah. and for what Cox had done for the club it, it's a, it was an absolute disgrace and, and the fact that Rob Gagliardi sat in front of me and looked me square in the eye and could not understand the difference between the two and why he was so wrong to have sanctioned or to insisted that Charlie and Colin put out what they put out for Mad. each of them is, is an absolute Mad. disgrace and we're better off without that idiot Fair play. He's been very harsh tonight, Mr. Levy. No, harsh but fair. Harsh but fair. So Andy Edwards took over and is given the job in his first game as a toughie away to Doncaster. I remember that. And despite taking the lead through a superb Callum Kennedy free kick, sadly we lost the game 3 1. I mean, that was so, a great free kick. Very good goal. And at this superb. point, a few more of the youth are starting to come through. I remember Karoma giving away penalty, got done by someone far more experienced than himself. Um, and yeah, I guess. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Encouraging style under Edwards yeah, yeah. to go to Doncaster and lose. So coming out Wasn't November... expected to win that, to be fair. So there no, was no, there was no pressure. And no. Semedo made a mistake, if you remember, just before half-time, we gave the ball away from their corner and they equalised. And had we got in at 1-0, it's a different half-time team. So yeah. they equalised just going into half-time. So yeah. league position then, coming out November, we were 22nd, played 19, won 5, drawn 3, lost 11. Goal difference minus 5 and 18 points. So at this point, you're not where you want to be, but goal difference isn't too bad and you're within a point of getting out of it. So... No, yep, to not, December. Yep. The month started with a much-needed 1-0 win at home to Accrington, thanks to a scrappy goal from Jay Simpson, which turned out to be his last yeah. for Leighton Orient. And this is followed by a 1-0 away defeat to Wickham, thanks to a goal from, you guessed it, Scotty Cashkit. So we've not really mentioned Cashkit, but Cashkit was let go earlier in the oh, season, yeah, was, just yeah. released, ended up at Wickham, and was flying for Wickham by the time... Him and Bayo were yeah. scoring for fun. By the time we played him, yeah, Cashkit was already had his feet under the table and was scoring like there was no tomorrow. And you just knew it was going to be one of those games that he was going to score the goal. Saluted the box. Um, yeah, as but, a bit of a two-finger salute but why, to... Yeah, why wouldn't you salute the box? To uh, veto. Anyone would have saluted the box. Really. 100%. Um, so then Boxing Day, so he's the first real emergence of youth players coming in the team. As Sam Dorby grabbed the goal, I think just four minutes into his full debut... Um, and gave us a dramatic 3-2 win over Crawley. And I remember it was 3-0 um, at half-time with McCallum um, scoring a penalty. I think he might have scored the other one, but I can't remember. And then on New Year's Eve, a 94th minute Ollie Palmer goal gave us a one all home draw at home to Cambridge where we got battered uh, and Luke Berry was amazing in that match and Palmer just got his toe on a last-minute deflection and the place went mental. Did it? That was one of my favourite moments on from holiday, last season. Then. Yeah, he was on holiday. Um, so that gave us a bit of a hope coming out of 2016 so we finished December 20th in League 2 uh, but four points ahead of the relegation places and a much better goal difference than the teams below us so you're coming out of it going yeah. well we ain't going to go up but we shouldn't really be relegated it's going to be a season where nothing really happens but yeah, I'd have how, taken that. how long we were I'd have taken 20th yeah. so 
January 2017, a terrible month as four league games end in four defeats. And despite calls for reinforcement from Andy Edwards and Danny Webb, no players are brought in. We lost 4-0 away to Exeter and Robbie Weir picked up his uh, well season-defining injury, really, because it put him out for... Yeah, I mean, that was... For some time. I mean, Robbie obviously wasn't having the best times at Orient, I think. He even came out on social media and said, That's I, right. I've not fulfilled my potential, I'm going to do better. Yeah, but still... But never did. Still a big loss. And that, I think that 4-0 was the first kind of hammering we really took in the league. And you're thinking, oh, this is bad. This is bad. And that was followed up by a 3-1 home defeat to Barnet. And Barnet have always been like, like that little club from North London who you, you always turn over for the most part, especially yeah. at home. Uh, I remember that their centre back who they just signed from Peterborough um, scored two goals. The first goal was a Chizak error. Yeah, Chizak, yeah, yeah. Chizak, Chizak got a bit of stick um, from that one, and then they scored in the last minute to wrap it up. So disappointing. And then two one defeat away to Portsmouth, where Massey scored a superb curler. Yeah. So well done to Massey. That was Again, amazing. Portsmouth, you'd go. You don't. You wouldn't take expect anything away to Portsmouth. No. No, and then 2-0 away to Mansfield in what proved to be Andy Edwards' last match in charge as he left the club to take a role, a coaching role at the FA and Danny Webb is given the manager, uh, the manager's job until the end of the season. So you think actually, all right, from a succession perspective, Danny knows the players, he's got his ideas, Danny spoke really well and you think actually you're pretty all right with Danny Webb taking yeah. over. Disappointed that Andy Edwards has gone, but obviously he'd had enough, didn't yeah. want it anymore, didn't need the aggravation, he'd got offered another role. And there was a lot of criticism obviously of Andy uh, going for other roles while he's in a role, um, you understand why he, you know, he's done that. He couldn't work in that environment, and he's got to, you know, protect his in his earning potential and, and be able to pay his mortgage. Yeah, and to, um, I mean, to be fair, FB on that one, as soon as Edwards it was announced he was leaving, they appointed Webb straight away. So it wasn't yeah. like there was a big turnover. Um, could that explain maybe why no transfers were made in January? Because obviously, Bichette, he might have known that was happening. I thought, well, I'm not forgetting your plays because I think you're going. Possibly, no. maybe we're being a bit too nice there to be yeah, Shetty. I think you are being very, way um, too kind. I don't think he had any intention of bringing any players in. Yeah, probably, probably. So Danny Webb in, Andy Edwards leaves the club. Jay Simpson also left for Philadelphia uh, in a great move there for Jay. Uh, Jordan Bowery, who barely played, yeah. really, and seemed to not really be on it or didn't fit the systems we played, um, went to Crew on loan. Oli Palmer went to Luton on loan. That was one we weren't expecting. Although we did get a tip off on that one, we and, and we disregarded it because it seemed so unlikely he would go to a, to team a playoff contending fighting team. for playoffs. Yeah, exactly. So he got unbelievable. He got an unbelievable deal. He scored a few goals from, hasn't he? He has. He played not loads. Think he but... might have played tonight in their playoffs. Okay. Um, Roman Lieber then came in. Yeah. Stevenage on loan. Um, and a player called Jordan Green signed, <laughs> and then obviously didn't get his clearance from the Welsh FA, so he signed from Bournemouth. Yeah. Um, well, his registration was held by the FA of Wales yeah. because he was on loan at Newport County but he was never registered back to Bournemouth so obviously when you're going into Wales it is t- classed as an international yeah. transfer it's ridiculous mental but yeah so he didn't sign because they couldn't get the clearance they appealed it it, it was turned down it was then appealed apparently and then that was turned away as well so we yeah. couldn't sign him yeah and Chizak um, stayed amongst rumours he was leaving and him turning down moves elsewhere be so interested to know more about that if Alex is, does listen and is interested in yeah. telling us what happened in January then yeah. I'd be very interested to know yeah well, as I say well, you know, I think we mentioned it last week we've asked we've messaged not messaged we tweeted Chizak saying anytime he wants to come and speak about his experience at Orient he's more than welcome and I think when his contract expires hopefully we'll get that email or message or call 
into us saying Alex wants to do it because I think yeah. currently he's still contracted to the club so we won't hear until the 30th of being. June yeah. so league positioning slipped down the league in January to 23rd played 27 won 7 drawn 4 lost 16 a goal difference of minus 13 and only 25 points so the goal difference now is starting to look a little bit desperate and yeah. a little bit poor so you yeah. start to think now actually you know we've played 27 games and only won 7 and we've got a goal difference of minus 13 it's not looking good at all so February we move on to 2017 Danny Webb's first game in charge ends in a spirited 2-1 home defeat against Carlisle who were flying quite high at the time which yeah. sees Alex Chizak controversially left out of the squad uh, with I remember Danny Webb saying that it's his decision it's a game decision that he has decided not upstairs making that decision for him yeah. he was quite vehement about that his, he yeah. was very forthright that it's his decision uh, because obviously it's going to raise eyebrows like you're leaving out our most experienced goalkeeper to play with all due respect an inexperienced either Charlie Granger Sam Sargent or whoever else we had yeah should we interview Danny um, which we might do in the future I, hope so. I think that'll be one of the first things that the fans will want to know the Chizak um, debate <clears throat> yeah absolutely see where it comes from so that was followed by a 1-0 loss at home to Morecambe um, and which a very young team was placed. That as yeah. as the season goes on, you, you notice more and more seniors are getting injured or have already left the club, and more and more youth players are coming through. So by this time, Sargent's, like we've already said, is playing in goal. Judd has made that right back spot. His own Karoma is starting to feature more and more. Dorby's already featuring. Um, Adebayo is around the subs bench, but not much. Yeah. So you're starting to see more of an youthful yeah. influence. Yeah. So the yeah. Morecambe game, I mean, they won it 1 0. From a superb goal. Again, one of those nights where you're thinking this has got nil nil written all over it, and Mullen turns from just outside the box right in front of us, do you remember? And cold it into the back of the net to give Morecambe um, a 1 0 win. And then quite a big match followed that as we went to Yeovil, uh, and Gavin Massey grabbed a late equaliser as we drew 1 0 away. And a big uh, moment there for Liam Kelly, who returned from injury in that match. And then in what was turned out to be the game of the season on Valentine's night, we went to Plymouth. Argyle, who were very, very high-flying um, at that point. And they went one up very early on. At this point, Massey is having an incredible time of the season, looking confident, looking like an almost different player to the player he was, and gets a fantastic equaliser. The second half kicks off. Old same thing with Orient, conceding early goal in the second half. Then, as the game goes into its late stages, Massey, I think, equalised in the 88th minute. And then... Hand side with Gavin Massey. Massey with the pace into the paddle chair. He pulls it back. Opportunity here. And it comes to Sandre Tamino. And would you believe it? Sandre Tamino has grabbed a dramatic winner for late night. Deep into stoppage time. So an amazing moment there for all the travelling fans and for Dulcet Dave. As a late Sandro Tamino goal won us the match in arguably, <laughs> like we've said, the performance of the season. In a match will be forever remembered for Liam Kelly shoving a ball boy and getting a six match ban for I love that. Matt Hiscox's reaction screaming yeah. like a massive girl in that is absolutely it still made the hairs on the back of my neck stand amazing so, night and well done absolutely. to those fans who win I think it was quite a small number obviously on the Tuesday night Valentine's like night and something, yeah. going all the way to Plymouth 95 something like that, something like that. getting yeah. their just rewards so well done to everyone who was there in the ground yeah, absolutely. We then went into a massive six-pointer as Kevin Nolan's Notts County were the visitors and we lost 3-2 after grabbing a late equaliser through Teddy Mezegay. We lost 
to an even later yeah. John Stead goal. That was poor, that. I so remember Teddy that. scored that on about the 81st minute and was thinking, Something right, like that. Done two it. All, and then be. they came and I think Atangana sliced his kick and I think Alzati went, it went through Alzati's legs, Atangana sliced his kick, came to Stead, he was just waiting for it and finished past Sarge. Yeah. Yep. And so it, that followed by another six pointers. We lost to relegation rivals Cheltenham at home and the month ended with a 4 0 away defeat to Stevenage, which was a really horrible game to go and watch. Yeah, that was 4 1, that one, on a rainy, one, cold yeah. night in February. It was horrible. Yeah. It was a horrible game to go and watch. So our league position meant that we stayed 23rd in League Two, having played 33. We've only won eight, drawn five, but we've lost 19. Crucially, the goal difference isn't looking any better. We're now at minus 16 with only 29 points. So, yeah, really, you know, the writing's on the wall. Yeah, and in March, a wonderful start to the month as we emphatically battered bottom of the table in Newport 4 0 away with a Josh Cromer hat trick and a Stephen Alzate goal. And at that point, I thought Newport were gone here. I thought Newport, yeah, they're down. They're, they're down. Yeah, they're bottom, they're bottom of the league, and that's when we need to kickstart our season. They felt like fired their manager after that, didn't they, as well? They did. Uh, but our joy was short lived, though as four heavy defeats followed as our goal difference starts to take a battering. Yeah. So the following week, we lost 3-0 home to Grimsby, where Granger made his first start of the season. Interesting. And then that was followed by a 5-0... Sorry, apologies. Granger played against Newport. So that was Granger's first home game of the season. Oh, okay. 5-0 away to Accrington, where it was 2-0 and they scored three goals in the last 10 minutes to kind of Rubs put the icing on the cake. Yeah. And then we got hammered at home to Doncaster 4-1, who gave us a footballing lesson, even Matt though we got Bulge. in at half-time one all, yeah, and Baldry scored that volley. A really good goal. And Chizak was in goal for that one. And then, <laughs> we lost, on my birthday, and I think you went to this, Crawley away. Yeah. 3-0, we were 3-0 down at half-time, and this time Sergeant was in goal. But again, all those matches, defending, very questionable, you yeah. could say. And yeah. Some big, big defeats within there. There was some questionable defender. I remember Coxie came on late in that game, uh, at Crawley, and he came to the Doncaster home game. That's well, right. If you remember, because he was in the supporters club. He said to right. Matt Baldry, the first thing he said to Matt Baldry was like, what are you doing? After he'd scored, he's like, what are you doing scoring? Yeah, yeah. So, and and I think good, good it fun. might have been March or it might have been February, I might have <laughs> overlooked it, but obviously the statement that came out, obviously on the back of the Bichetti publicity that went in. Oh, of course, And yeah. talking about a well, squad inherited with no future. Again, we've gone through it, but a very distasteful statement by Alessandro himself on that one. Yeah, absolutely. So, after the Crawley match, Danny Webb had a few words about planning for next year and was clearly frustrated and he left the club with Omar Ritza taking over until the end of the season. Yeah, for me, I think, you know, Danny's post-match comments after Crawley, I think the writing was on the wall. I think he made those comments after the match and got let go, I think, mm. on a Thursday or Wednesday. For me, I think probably the best manager we had in the season just gone. I don't know how he'd done it, but he seemed to unite the players and the fans of the club and it was a real positive energy, even though we were losing every week. It seemed to be really positive really kind of had the players on side where it's questionable whether they were on the side of people like Caverson. Yeah. Um, so following that again, Omar next to be pushed up from within the club and given the reins. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with what you're saying and I think Danny Webb, and I've mentioned it in a few previous episodes, he speaks really, really well. I still question the Chisak's decision. Um, I don't know quite what's gone on behind the scenes there. We will probably never, ever find out. But for me, I thought Danny Webb came across really well. Uh, I thought he managed to get the team, like you say, playing very well yeah. for him and for each other. So he'd really created that team ethic. 
he commented that he wasn't scouting other teams, just focusing on our strengths and what we yeah, can do. Well remembered, and 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 it was it was a good thing. I think I think he said, right, well, let's close ranks. Let's let's focus on what we can do yeah. and how we're going to destroy teams. It might have been a slightly naive perspective to take because you should always know the, the other team's strengths. You should really understand where the threats and and, and weaknesses are going to be coming from. Um, whether he did that, whether he'd watched some footage somehow, I don't know. But um, the, the results never really change that dramatically to suggest that we were moving in the right direction yeah. we always hovered around there and we're getting hammered here and there so it's a shame because I think Danny's got great potential out of everybody yeah absolutely so March also saw the HMRC uh, court case and which was a very tension filled day with the club being asked to return on Monday the 12th of June and that is still outstanding also March will be remembered for the wrong reasons as players and staff were also not paid on time and at this point lots of injuries um, starting to come to our key players like Massey, um, Hunt, Parks on and off, yeah. McCallum. So really affecting the team and the experience. Uh, so league position, so it meant coming out of March we had six games left and we were bottom of the Football League and it wasn't looking good as we were now nine points from safety. Um, so we needed to win four from the last six to have any chance of staying up. Yeah, yeah, really, really tough times now. So into April... April started with a 2-0 home loss to Wickham in Omer's first match in charge and he's sent to the stands. Also, Tom Parks sees red as well and we saw a 3-0 away defeat to Cambridge following that match and also would mean that we would be relegated if we lost to Luton in our next game. Yeah, so the next game was Luton away where we picked up a very respectable 2 all draw after going a goal down. We took the lead in the second half for a Kelly penalty and Tristan Abrahams' first goal. So that draw meant we had to beat Hartlepool to stay up. Anything less would mean relegation. And despite going a goal down very early on, we won the game 2-1 with goals from Victor Adebayo and Tristan Abrahams. And it was a decent performance, but I must say Hartlepool looked tired. They looked a bit shot in that one. Full-time whistle went and available three points and also a mini pitch invasion. And that yeah. might be the last you hear of pitch invasions. Yeah. We travelled to Crewe, needing another win to stay up. Anything else just really wouldn't do. The first half saw Crewe uh, and... Uh, the first half ended with Crew winning 3-0 uh, and after 112 years it is actually finally confirmed that we fall out of the Football League and are relegated to the National Conference, the National League, the Vanarama uh, League with two games left to play. So not really where you wanted your fate sealed no, absolutely on a Saturday not. in Crew. Absolutely um, but Yeah, so our final home game this season is at home to Colchester. And despite Sandro Samela cracker, we lost the game 3-1 due to the crazy answer back pass. I'm sure everyone who's listening has seen it. And this game will be remembered for the aftermatch protests and the continue of play after the abandonment. That back pass still infuriates me when I think about I bet it. it does. It's the most stupidest thing he could have done. <laughs> it was it was a very poor back pass. Um, I don't know. At, at that point we were still in it. At that point we were still in it. It was one all and it was everything to play for. Colchester weren't looking particularly that great. At that point, but obviously that was the turning point and the pivotal point uh, in that match. Yep. So also, late April players were finally paid along with staff for March. And April, I think it was a day late, but it went in, in the yep. end, very late in the day. So that meant during April, uh, it was confirmed that we would finish bottom of the Football League regardless of the match that happened in May. Exactly, but I think it's also worth mentioning the two superbly worded staff statements that, oh, yes, that, good, that, yes, that well, we put out. 
Um, and and obviously the collection, uh, the GoFundMe collection that was that was yeah. raised, I think about five thousand pounds. That's been now distributed out. Sophie Hassel, I think, arranged yeah, that. Yeah, well done. Yeah. Um, so you know, it really was a on the pitch. It was absolutely disastrous, but off it. The, the support and the staff were closer than they've ever been before. The support together were more were, were more united, uh, putting on a more yeah. united front. Loft had had various meetings at this point, updating people on what they're going to do. I think Adam Michelson, um, being that his area of expertise is corporate financing, that sort of thing, sp- had spoken really, really well and really extensively uh, at, at the various meetings that Loft had held that, that you and I had gone to. I think yeah. you went to one more than me. Um, but yeah, I think it was. I think it's been. A, it was a really, really pivotal time uh, yeah, by, by this point. point. So point. we move into May now. The season ended with a three-one away defeat to Blackpool. Not the party that we were expecting <laughs> to have at the seaside, and what looked like the, to be a promotion party earlier in the season was our last match actually in the football league with Jen Shantz scoring. And I never thought I'd be saying this. <laughs> our final. Football League goal for at least a season and pre-match both sets of fans protested in the JD3 which is Judgment Day 3 protests against their owners which was superbly turned out yeah very several good. thousand fans apparently turning out yeah. um, I may have underestimated it in the previous thing but I couldn't see 6,000 fans yeah fair play so um, that meant league position then yeah. we finished 24th in the Football League uh, as we played 46 110 drawn six um, and lost 30. So we lost 30 games out of 46. Goal difference turned out to be minus 40 as we finished bottom of the Football League on just 36 points. So we lost 18 of the 23 home league games that we played in the season. That's the most games ever lost in the fourth tier of English football, which is an unwanted record for Orient. Absolutely. So that is a shame to have ended like that. And that is the uh, season roundup of the 2016-17 season. We promised you that it wouldn't be uh, much fun. But now we are joined uh, for our first guest uh, of the evening, much later than expected. But welcome back to Matt Porter. How are you? Evening. Yeah, I'm fine. Thank you. Yourselves? All good. Thank you, buddy. Thanks for, for giving up some time for us this evening. Just no problem. Just as a fan, um, just really wanted to get your thoughts on the season um, that, that we've just had. Obviously, we're not expecting anything jolly or positive, but just be interesting to hear what your thoughts are. Uh, well, it was catastrophic, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> I, I think there's only one positive, and that's that some young players have shown that they've got a future in the game. That's probably the only positive we can take out of this season. What um, What do you think was really the sort of the major turning point this season that actually sort of ended so catastrophically? Um, I don't think there was a turning point this season. Um, I think that it's been a turning, a turning point came probably two and a bit years ago. Uh, but if you, if you, you know, if you think if Andy Edwards had been in charge for the rest of the season, we would have stayed up. There's, there's no doubt about that. So probably if you're going to point at one thing, then then Andy leaving was probably the, uh, the, the the straw that broke the camel's back in terms of any chance we had of survival. I would say. And what what is it you think about Andy Edwards that would have would have kept that? Would have, oh, would have kept his football out? knowledge, his coaching ability, um, the the relationship he had with the players. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, we're not talking about him doing anything amazing. We're not talking about getting promoted. We're just talking about finishing twenty second or higher. Um, you know, in the same way that I think Kevin Nugent would have kept us up a couple of years ago in, in League One, and he would have done the same this year. Um, but you know, the, the 
it's a bit like the Titanic, isn't it? Everything was falling around, falling down around him, and, and the captain can't can't keep it afloat. Mm, absolutely. So for you, then, Matt, what needs to happen in the summer? I guess the obvious answer is beset yourselves, but I mean, that, course, that could, yeah. that I mean, could the take some time. The ownership of the club needs to change. If it doesn't, then it's not going to get any better. So, assuming the ownership changes, then as as a sort of as a rebuild, obviously it's a bit of a rebuilding exercise. We know that Omer's been tweeting this week about some of the pre-season games that he's been uh, arranging. But what would need to, you know, just I guess from a, an insight perspective, from a fan view, what would need to be done, uh, sort of as a as a first? What would be on the top of the to-do list of the incoming? assuming it is taken over uh, in the summer, what would be sort of the, the, the first sort of two or three things on the to-do list? Well, whoever's, whoever's um, you know, in control of the club would need to decide who they'd want to lead the first team. Um, and, you know, beyond that, what, what sort of budget was going to be available for players because the vast majority of the senior players will, will leave, I expect, this summer. Um, so you'd need to rebuild... You know, if you if you assumed that half of the squad was going to be youth team graduates for next year, you've you've got to bring in around the probably you know somewhere between ten and twelve senior players um, to balance that out. So you know somebody's got to decide what the budget's going to be and how they're going to go about recruiting those players in order to be competitive in the national league because um, you know it isn't it's a it's a pretty heartless league. It's not the sort of league you want to go into. Um, with seven or eight, you know, uh, under twenties in the team, as as we've ended this season, you you want to be able to bleed your, your best two or three in, uh, and then pull them out of the firing line when when the going gets a bit too tough, or or you know the game's coming a bit too thick and fast. So there's nothing wrong with 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 having lots of the kids in and around the first team squad, and and many of them have proven their ability to to go and play. But you you, you can't ask them to go out there um, seven or eight numbered um, week in week out and, and deliver away at some pretty unforgiving places uh, it's, it's going to be a bit of a culture shock I think okay yeah I, I absolutely agree with you and and from a from a managerial perspective if it's not if the current owners uh, I guess now let me ask you as a, as, as a fan then um, who would you have as manager oh I don't know I probably haven't given that enough thought um, you'd probably want somebody experienced who, who knew the division and who knew how to to galvanise a, a um, a situation that was in uh, a pretty bad state. You know, if it was under the current ownership, then uh, most people who are still at the club are obviously going to be pretty down, confidence-wise and morale-wise. So somebody's going to need to come in and be given the opportunity to to get them bouncing again, and, and that's going to be tough if there's interference or uh, upheaval. So I would say only really somebody with a with a very very strong character and a, and a large amount of experience would be able to do that. Fantastic. Matt, thank you for giving up uh, part of your Sunday night to speak to us. Always a pleasure to speak Great to you. Great stuff, yeah. Thank you very much indeed, buddy. We'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers, Matt. So that was Matt Porter speaking, um, and we thank Matt for coming on the podcast at various points during the season. So that was Matt's views. Mr. Leaving in your views on the season? Yeah, so um, really sort of worst season ever for me, uh, and I think that's saying something considering the seasons that we've had. Uh, what can I say really that I haven't already said? We've really lurched from one disaster to another and it's definitely been a mentally draining season. The sad thing is it really didn't have to be this way. Bichetti just had to employ the right people and let them get on with it rather than interfere in something he knew nothing about. And shame for me is an understatement. I can't imagine what it must be like to work at the 
to work for the club through the past season. Far from enjoyable, I would imagine, hence why staff have left in droves and most recently both Colin and Charlie from the media team. How hard it must have been working through all the nonsense and keeping your cool and professionalism throughout. I have the utmost admiration and respect for all the employees of the club. I will say that I feel some of the pros went missing at times in games. We really needed them in games that we really needed them and the young players who stepped in or were more aptly thrown in the deep end did admirably and it's a learning curve they weren't really expecting. I certainly think some of their stock went up in value and it wouldn't surprise me if we lost some to league clubs. Obviously we would be a much better side with them littered in the squad but obviously as Matt Porter has just said we need a lot of experienced pros to help guide them as well. Also think some of the team setups this season have been wrong and that's possibly down to an inexperienced management and trying stuff that just unfortunately didn't work. Let's hope that if FB is genuinely selling and there is an interested buyer, as we're led to believe, who completes the purchase quickly so we don't lose any more ground on our National League rivals. And finally, just really wanted to congratulate Loft on their superb efforts so far. With the supporters behind your membership numbers higher than they ever have been, it's going to be an exciting future, whatever that way may hold. Good sum up there, Paul. For Yours? me for me the main issue, you know, from last season was there's forty six games in the league, nine were under Hessenthaler, two under Edwards, seven under Caverson, nine under Edwards in his second spell, twelve under Webb, and seven under OMS. Far too many managers um, to have in the season. And despite most of the recruitment being decent in the summer on paper, you know, like your Masseys, Kellys, um, Parks, Wares, the season never really took off. Poor decisions from the club early on really affected us, you know, in terms of the manager appointment, team selection at points, letting Cox go, not playing Simpson. And since the appointment of Alberto, I feel we fell into freefall. And when we needed to strengthen in January, we didn't, and the writing was really on the wall. And I guess, you know, if you're being fair, some of the injuries to players really harmed us, you know, Kelly, McCallum, but we seem to have two consistent issues throughout the season that you can't have in any league. First of all, conceding goals from St. Pieces was a common problem for our defence and also conceding goals so early in the second half. Um, add to this a consistent lack of leadership on the pitch and an inability to come back from behind once you're a goal down there will always only be one outcome. And I remember watching the Exeter and Charlton games at home thinking we're in trouble here. Uh, only positive, as Matt's already mentioned, is the exciting emergence of young players in the team. And Paul's already said some of these young players have very bright futures and football's football, you know. In the end, the table doesn't lie, so we deserved to be relegated. Yeah, good point. Thank you, it mate. doesn't lie. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Absolutely. So if you're losing over a marathon, that's it. So earlier on today, we tweeted asking your views on the season in five words and also your hopes for next season in five words. So we've got a selection uh, of those that, we, uh, that we've received today. So apologies if we don't get to read yours out. But at Mark Shepherd mm. underscore 79 said, rise again, 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 again. I like it. Les OK52 says... Promised much, delivered a nightmare. Nice one. Len M4 said, for this season, has this nightmare ended yet? And for next season, if FB goes, I'm optimistic. Yeah, Kevin Cowling says, a criminal destruction of a great club. For this season, the next season, we will come back stronger. Daniel S9119 said, for this season, fans and players united. So that's four words. But for next season... <laughs> In five words, we will be back stronger. Yeah, that's good LH point. H1881 says, My summary of this season, I think I'll just stick with the five-word prediction I gave you at the start of the season. 
O-F-F-S, Orient. I like that one. Thank you for that <laughs> At one. Gold931 said, lots of hope, failed badly. Yeah. Steve, LOFC, says, we finally reached rock bottom in terms of this season. And next season, says, we've got our Orient back. Fingers crossed on that one, Steve. At uh, P-E-T Denman said, heart ripped from the Orient for this season. Next season, the only way is up. Mate, if we were better Great prepared, song. we could bring it in right now and have it playing. Nah, too, not enough time. At R.D. Manda, says, club for a fiver. Again, in terms of this season, the next season, says, do not hold your breath. So obviously, Robert, not very optimistic going into next season, as it stands. As it stands, yeah. Fair okay. enough. Simon Bedford tweeted saying, for this season, a complete and utter disaster. And for next season... New owner and rebuild required. Yeah. Simon Bernstein says, sad, disappointing, angry, embarrassing and helpless for this season. And for next season, says, hopeful, worrying, excited, nervous and different. Yeah, at Ox Ooch said, lost what makes Orient special for this season. And for next season, everyone needs to pull together. Yeah, Jamie Stripe <laughs> this season says they're not available for selection which was a word commonly used in several uh, interviews post-match by managers and for next season says honesty returns at the club and obviously this most of these were sent before the breaking news about uh, Eagle Industries or whatever they're called yeah. investments yeah. investments at Gorillas 1985 pros go missing this season and for next season youth take us forward upwards yeah. at Rob MCC 68 for this season just says Cox mutual consent my bum. I've left out the A word. <laughs> yeah. At 67, Sammy said, pass me the vodka, please. Yeah, Johnny Bricks is even worse than it sounded in regards to this season. And at James O'Hagan said, can't get any worse. Oh. <laughs> and for next season, says, young players mature and improve. Yeah, L Watts 77 says, painful, destructive, invasions, clowns, and hope. So technically that's six words, but we'll give you that one, L. Yeah, and then for next year? Yeah, she says, build, score, regroup, defend, fans Orient Fan TV tweeted saying for this season Leighton Orient relegated by Bichetti and for next season Leighton Orient win the National yeah, like League it. Thank that's you for that cool Alan AVM1502 this season just says a complete and utter shambles and for Mr underscore A underscore 1881 this season and now the end is near for next season, terrace and tent ground hopping. Yeah, someone posted a, a picture of an away stand at one of the very small clubs in the conference, and it was literally like 20 seats. At Brit Lion Devices, uh, for this season, to take your charisma elsewhere, please, which I like. And for next season, this is after, obviously, the Eagle rumour. It says, hoping the Eagle has landed, which is very <laughs> That's good. That's amazing. Uh, Bendy Bollard, Bacchetti absent, club in meltdown. Uh, that's for this season. And for next season... Keep calm and eat donuts. Yeah. <laughs> final word from Twitter uh, from at Boatsy. says, this season, I want my club back. And next season says, Geisley, where exactly is Geisley? Great question there from Ben. Thank you for all your tweets. They're still coming in now um, as we're recording. So obviously, if we don't mention yours, we do apologise. But we also uh, are on Instagram, Orion underscore Outlook underscore podcast. We and are we're going to read. You've got a couple of couple of messages coming in from there or should I do Facebook yeah no I'll do Instagram so a few from Instagram uh, for next season from B81EY uh, who says believe in Omer and the kids um, and really Stan Martin one says we want our club back I think that's next season at Jboy4444 this season says a community club destroyed by, nar- by narcissists and next season says together our club will rise at Roman Crane for this season says great players but an arrogant 
owner um, and that's it of Instagram so thank you for all the comments we got on Instagram that's quite a lot for our Instagram page yeah it's more than, more than we usual yeah. yeah so Paul Hutton said down down deeper and down like it Rob Campbell was what is this pile of crock and I think that's a reference to Vince McMahon from WWE oh really uh, next season he's saying cheaper games in the National League or NL as he's put it there so Paul James Elliott said thanks for bloody nothing Bacchetti and next season much better if no Bacchetti yeah Kirsty Chapman said, still strong against the odds for this season. Next season, staying strong and moving forwards. Pierre Fleet simply said, we want our club back. Uh, Paul Hudson for this season, an absolute nightmare season that. And for next season, hopefully new owners, better times. Yeah, so thank you for all the feedback through all of our social media channels throughout the season. It's been uh, another monumental um, season in terms of feedback. Swiss is approaching yeah. 3,000 now. Um, it's amazing. which is amazing and Instagram and Facebook are doing very well considering we've only been on there for like less than a year I would say or a year or two so I think the next thing to discuss then is manager so we obviously asked Matt um, who said he'd probably go with an experienced head someone who strong character. strong character would you stick or twist in with Omer as it stands I agree with Matt Porter I would twist I would I would look uh, you know maybe keep Omer on as a as an assistant manager, for instance, because I think he's got great character and I think he's got strong views about how things should be played. Um, obviously, from, from our perspective, it's kind of who do you go for? Kenny Jackett's not working, but he's not going to drop to the conference. So, uh, realistically, who, who are you going to get? I think it depends who the owner is. I think that's a massive um, deal-breaker. Or, or deal maker who's going to drop down on like realistically or who's good enough to come up like the Cowley brothers at Lincoln were a bit of a gamble oh, they were but, a gamble. That, but that's paid off tremendously with their FA Cup run and the league uh, automatic promotion but there's not loads of Cowley brothers when, when you say experienced manager strong character in the Vanarama you're talking about John Stills Martin Allens people like that you're not speaking about young and upcoming managers I think like the Cowley brothers but we shall see if Bichetti's still there I think it'd be very hard to get a, a manager like that. I think yeah. if we have new ownership and depending on who buys the club, I think you'd be surprised because it should be, if they get the right owners in who invest properly, the conference should be an absolute walkover with decent management and decent people running the club. Um, but we shall see. Yeah, in terms of Omer, I think I agree with you on that. I can't see him being kept on either way, really. Um, but who knows, strange things have happened. Yeah. Um, but... I think it'd be unfair if he was let go completely because I think yeah. he's got good talent. Yeah, so absolutely. I think it would be unfair on, on him and also the players that have grown up around yeah. him. And he, you know, he obviously works hard, he's got a big work ethic and he's trying to drive the club forward and at this point in time seems to be the only one doing that. So you have to respect him for that and give him some credit. So we'll see on that one. Would you um, bring Danny Webb back? Um, in any capacity? I don't, think he'd, I don't think he'd come back. I don't think he'd come back for anything. But we'll see. We'll see on that one. So those are our views on Omer. Let us know what you think on Omer at Orient Outlook or you can give us uh, an email at orientoutlook at outlook.com. So moving on to players then out of contract. So we'll shout out. I'll shout out a few names for you and you can tell me who to keep them or lose them and then if you think we'll keep them or lose them. So firstly, obviously, Ron Liebird goes back to Stevenage. I think no kind of issues. No. That one barely made an impact. Didn't really have the chance but in... With the little we saw of him didn't do much. So, Michael Collins? Keep. You'd hope we could keep him. I guess we'd I'd like to keep him. We'd be able to, based on his performances last season. Sammy Moore, is that a keep. contract? For me? Yeah, I agree. I can't see it though. I think these are probably going to be the same. Paul McCallum? No. 
Not for me. No? No. I think you need someone that offers more than what Paul does. Interesting. You're non-league now. You're not. It's going to be down and dirty at times. You're going to be talking about... No, well, this is a bit disrespectful, but you're talking sort of ex-Sunday League type players that some of them don't have the grace and and the sportsman athleticness about them, which is probably really unfair because I haven't really watched that much of the conference. But you can't. He's a luxury player, Paul, and in the conference you can't afford that. Okay, I think he's got by the reaction to him being subbed the other week. I mean, yeah, he slapped all sides of the ground. Oli Palmer. Um. Yeah. See, yeah, as a squad player. For me, I would have the Callum, so hard. I would have the Callum over Palmer any day of the week. Why? Because if the ball falls in the box in the last second to a player, I'm hoping it falls to McCallum rather than Palmer all day long. Yeah, but all we've got day to get the ball there first. That's not that's not McCallum's responsibility isn't getting the ball into the box, that's the midfield's responsibility. True, me. but then yeah, okay, but then I think Ollie's all round play is, is better. So you're charging oh, down, yeah, you're they've... defending from the front. I'd want an Oli they've Palmer. They've got they've got different work hard. They've effort. got different aspects to their yeah. um, performances. But interesting one. Let us know what you think about McCallum versus Palmer. I think they're both <coughs> going to go anyway. Yeah. Charlie Granger, keep. You think he'd be kept, but he might have had enough. I mean, he's been there for quite a few years now and doesn't seem to be making headway to be the first choice keeper. It looks like Sam's in front of him. Yeah. Um, strange. Maybe strange happy. call that. Well, I think Sam's done very well. To be fair to Sam. Yeah. Um, Charlie not really given much. Um, Many chances. Sandro Semedo. This is Paul's... Um... Jury's out for me. I think he's I... got... A lot of people have said he's got... Like Kevin Lisby said to me that he's he should keep an eye on him because he's a very good player. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's just he's been overplayed. Possibly. And yeah, he's yeah. just not used to he it. He started the season um, very well and he finished it very well and he did score a few vital goals. That the, Plymouth goal was fantastic. The Plymouth goal was a vital three points. He's got a great goal against Colchester. It's been called up now to Portugal under twenty ones. It will increase his value massively. So keep. Uh, um, I'll keep. He's been offered a contract as well. I can't so. see him staying. I'd probably keep him because I think I, I think, think if a league club came in for him that wasn't too far out of London, for example, yeah, like a I Stevenage think, maybe or a Luton, if they didn't go up, I think he's going to be one of those who goes to a much higher club and raises a few eyebrows. I think. Yeah, but then I think he's going to bounce around. Oh, the probably, under, probably. The development sides, which is not what he from a footballing probably. perspective shouldn't be what he wants. Chizak. Alex Chizak. Oh, I'd keep him, but he's got. He's gone. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that one. Mr. Levy's old favourite, Nigel Atangana. See, I think Nigel would be all right in the. It'd be conference. amazing in the conference. I think he'd be all right in the conference. I'd like to keep him, but I think that he's probably got ideas of playing league football. Yeah, no chance for him to keep Atangana. Yeah, again, love to keep him. Freddie Monker. Um, would like to keep him. Yeah, I, I agree think with that. We, we might have a chance of keeping him as I well. I would agree. Potentially, I would agree with both of those statements. Yeah, Nicky Hunt. Nah. He won't stay. I'd quite like to keep him, but I agree. I think I think it'll be at Notts County, given the first hundred percent. First of July, hundred percent. Callum Kennedy uh, would like to keep him, but he can play league league level league uh, league two. Yeah, I think you're right on that one. And lastly, in well, not lastly, two two big talking points. In or not really talking points. Cause I know what you're going to say. Orikonomo. No, <laughs> I'm not even going to ask you whether you think Yenzi Ants will stay. So, I hope he doesn't. <laughs> Could you imagine? He, he might well find Could his bit. He might be outstanding at conference football. All the players we've just listed should be outstanding in conference football, really, when you look at that as a list. Yeah. So that's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. That's 13 players out of contract. Those contracts expire on the 30th of June, so nothing will happen, I guess, before that day, or they're free to kind of negotiate with other clubs, yeah. I guess, at that point. Uh, so that 
is our players out of contract roundup. Let us know if you think we were harsh on players, if we were too lenient on players, or if we're going to throw bin someone who you would keep. Let us yeah. know. Yeah, I think it's worth saying that we've got Tom Parks, uh, Ivan Erico, Robbie Weir, Jordan Bowery, Liam Kelly, and Gavin Massey all contracted for next season. See, Jordan Bowery. Plus Sam Sargent, plus I think Aaron Pollock and Josh Caroma. So we've got three, four, five, eight players. Jordan Bowery done quite well at crew. Didn't show much at Orient, but if you get a workhorse alongside him, like a Dagnall, he might be right playing off a player like that. Yeah. So very interesting. And we've still got a, a decent setup. You could easily still get a team out um, of most of the young players, but like Matt Porter said, is it fair to you know pick kids in that situation of trying to do that because they will just get battered um, over the season? So now we'll quickly go through the clubs in the conference because basically we know very little about it. So just to run through the 24 clubs, including us who are in the conference, by alphabetical order, you've got AFC Fylde, right? who came up through the Fylde National North, which is mental. Aldershot Town, who were in the league up to a couple of years ago. Barrow, Boreham Wood, which is fairly local. Yeah, it's only 10, 15 yeah. minutes around the 25. Plus, Bro- someone I know knows their manager. so Nice. VIP tickets down for the Orient yeah. podcast. Bromley. So if Blair Turgut local, if is still if he's not in, jail. If he's not in the nick, <laughs> will be interesting. Chester used to be a league club many years ago. Big club. Dagenham and Redbridge, which is a big derby. Yeah. Probably our local derby returns. Dover Athletic, who we played in a friendly last season. We did. And they beat us. But they've sold Ricky Miller to Peterborough. Yeah. Oh, uh, no, he got free. That oh, was did he get free? free? Wow. Yeah. Good well, signing. Contract. Good signing for Peterborough. Amazing. Eastley, we've got a bit of money behind Hampshire. him. And signed uh, Darius Henderson and then let him go about three games after. And that was Bombs and Gala and um, Martin Allen, right? Yeah, but he's gone now. He's gone. They've all, yeah, yeah, they've all left. Uh, Ebbsfleet United, who won promotion yesterday, so well done to Daryl McMahon, who, ex-Orient player, obviously took him up. Tramir Rovers are in the division. Uh, they obviously lost today's playoff final to Forest Green Rovers. Um, in Gateshead, which is an absolute mission. Geisley, Hartlepool United, who obviously got relegated along with us. FC Halifax Town, who came up yesterday through their playoffs, so well done to Halifax. Then you've got Macclesfield Town, who were a league club not long ago. Maidenhead United, who have come up through the south. And then Maidstone United, Solihull Moors, Sutton United, Torquay United, who were a league club not too long ago. Woking and Wrexham. So some very new uh, names and grounds. Yeah. And for those that like to go and have a look at uh, ground hopping guides, absolutely be something, uh, something for you there. So, realistically... We now go on to um, some of our uh, additional guests that we have lined up for the show this week. And we are now very proud to be joined by the voice of Orient player, Mr. BBC London himself. Dave, welcome back to the Orient Outlook podcast. Pleasure, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Very good, thank you. Under the circumstances again. Trying to get used to reading about late night in the non-league paper. I think it's going to take some getting used to as well. Yeah, have you subscribed to that then yet? I'm it regularly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a safe. Um, also, still trying to work out where it went so wrong. And uh, I'm beginning to feel that the major change happened very early on and very, very long before the protest started. For the most part, I think the summer was positive. We had uh, Kelly, Weir, Parks, others came in, and they all seemed to be positive additions, and there didn't seem to be anything to worry about. 
But then I went to Dover and I saw Eric Show uh, uh, play and it was evident that there'd been a significant change in recruitment. I remember very clearly speaking to Andy Hessenthaler about Eric. He rolled his eyes and he said that he'd seen him play on YouTube and he told us what a nice lad he was. And he was the first of several nice lads that... Uh, Managers had seen on YouTube, and Eric was by no means the worst. Benedicic, the worst by some distance. Oh, wow. We forgot to mention Benedicic in our roundup. Great, great, great reminder there, Dave. Yeah, he wasn't the best, best of uh, he was the awful. players, and he was awful, yeah. And Hess said in, after every pre season game that he wanted a central defender, and I don't think he meant Teddy Mezegay. Um And what followed after that was a series of disastrous decisions. The decision not to back Andy Hessentiner to bring in a proper central defender was a very significant one. I think we conceded 86 goals, and that proves that. The decision to send what I must imagine must have been tens of thousands of pounds to release Dean Cox the day after the transfer window closed was ridiculous. It felt like a deliberate way of upsetting the supporters, and it felt also like a real turning point. The decision to back Rob Gagliardi to bring in so many inadequate players was astonishing. The decision to bring in another Italian manager didn't surprise me, but the failure to back him did. The decision to demand that the players had double training sessions, no day offs, was not Alberto's. In fact, after we won at Hartlepool, Alberto said that he'd hoped that the players were given a day off. I checked, and they weren't. The decision not to back Andy Edwards in the January transfer window showed that the ambition in the summer had vanished, and it felt like a deliberate decision to drive Lake Noint into the ground. What happened in March, though, is what really upset me. Um, when you think on the 4th of March, we were six points clear ahead of Newport following that wonderful victory in performance, a 4-0 uh, win, but County survived, and that just shows how bad things got at Brisbane Road. I know that losing Graham Wesley is going to give any squad of players a magnificent boost, <laughs> but the contrast between what happened to the Exiles compared to that is what happened at Lake Noint demonstrates the difference in the priorities and the direction from those at the very top of these two clubs. Newport County looked beyond hope after our de- uh, they suffered that defeat, but they went on an amazing run. They scored four, uh, 15 goals. They conceded 16, and six of those were against high flies Plymouth Argyle. In contrast, late night, as we know, they beat Hartlepool. We drew at Luton Town. We scored just seven, and we conceded 32. The match after South Wales was when they played Grimsby Town at home. I think it's fair to say that the performance was much better than the scoreline would suggest. But something seemed to happen after that game between them and Tuesday night. We went up to Accrington Stanley. Danny Webb was clearly dismayed by the lack of commitment from some of his senior pros. I was sitting with Lee Still. He was the co-commentator that night. I can't repeat what he said about Nigel Essengarner and some of the other players. Um, as he said, they just didn't look as if they wanted to be there. It was an equally shambolic display at Crawley. And Danny was brutally honest in his comments post-match. And these comments were clearly directed towards uh, FB. And it felt, that even after that game, that Danny had come to the decision that it was a lost cause. And I know that it must have been a decision that was very difficult to walk away from those young players he knew so well and he mm. cared about them. It must have been a very tough thing to do. And then, of course, we learned about the unpaid wages. It must have been so tough for Omar. And I think he's handled the situation very well. Senior pros after that went missing. And you have to pay enormous credit to the likes of Parks, Kelly and Collins who carried on when so many didn't. 
But I know you both like um, some positives, so uh, I've thought of one or two. Congratulations <laughs> for the women's team on their treble. Yeah. Congratulations to Sandro being called up for the Portuguese under-21s. Congratulations to Loft for the leadership they've provided, and also the generosity, not only of the late night supporters, but uh, supporters from so many clubs around the country. Um, another positive, probably the biggest one, is that the shared anger about our plight has brought ex-players, managers and supporters together. And incredibly, it feels that we're as together now as we were three years ago, when, of course, we were on our way to Wembley. Yeah. And the away support has been incredible. 950 at Blackpool, and they were a credit to everybody who cares about our special football club. Brilliant, that was a fantastic amount there, Dave. To get a few more positives in, what was your favourite game? We've obviously played your last-minute reaction again um, on tonight's <laughs> podcast from Semedo's last-minute goal at Plymouth. Um, and obviously there were a few highlights in terms of, you mentioned Newport, was their favourite game for you last season? Plymouth has to uh, stand out, that was uh, something very special. I think the performance at Luton Town under Omer was uh, very special as well, but uh, there weren't many, were they? I think we looked so good at the start of the season, when you think that um, we were so comfortable against um, Stevenage at Brisbane Road, and they looked awful, but you look at where they finished the season, it just shows how things fell apart. There were so few victories last season, they seemed to stand out, but uh, mm. it was all about the defeats, and there were far too many, particularly at Brisbane Road. And, and taking hammerings in the process, there was a lot of three... Four and five, well, five was a one-off, but threes and fours and three ones and, and whatnot as well. And, and you think that at one point, I think just before Christmas, Exeter were down the bottom, near, if not in relegation, and then they went on a ten-game ten run, and look where they ended up. doesn't matter who the managers were, the defence just wasn't good enough. The number of goals conceded shows yeah. that. But uh, we've had Matt Bristow helping us... Uh, uh, during the paternity leave for uh, uh, Matthew's cock mm-hmm. and I can tell you that uh, his daughter Grace is doing very well so oh, congratulations. congratulations and Kirsty but um, yeah Matt Bristow's the man with the stats of course and he was telling us that a third of the goals over 20 have been conceded from set pieces it's just appalling isn't it absolutely appalling mm. and every time uh, we conceded the free kick and often it was uh, very unnecessary they seemed um, completely switched off it as if um, they didn't know where to go and it didn't you know we thought well it was all about Alberto and um, you know with uh, zonal marking but it didn't matter they couldn't mark anybody <laughs> yeah. yeah it didn't really matter you're absolutely right Dave always a pleasure thank you for joining us I know it's getting on a bit um, but again thank you for everything you've done for Orient this season um, oh well you know and thanks for what you do with the uh, podcast it's so important and uh, you know let's hope there's um, better times ahead yeah, no, we absolutely agree with you. So, hope to hear you uh, next season um, in whatever capacity that, that may be. And uh, we look forward to speaking to you again, perhaps, uh, at, the, at the end of pre-season when we do our sort of late summer mm. round-up. Perhaps we can have a chat then. Let's hope so. Take care. Enjoy you too, Dave. All Cheers, the best. Dave. So, that was BBC London's reporter, Dave Victor. And again, summed it up fantastically. And I guess the kind of things that we forgot to mention... <laughs> He's mentioned like you, Benedicic, um, etc., and mentioned some results there. So thank you very much to Dave Victor, who always delivers um, whenever we ask him to come on the podcast. So we've got two more guests. We yeah, are indeed. currently dialing um, the next guest, who has been on the podcast, I believe, once before. Uh, just waiting for the phone to connect. Which we had that rings. 
Um, if you have any um, thoughts or views on, on the season, or let us know what your thoughts and views are on the season. We've said five um, five letter five uh, five words or more, but you're welcome to to message us at Orient Outlook. Um, but actually, um, oh sorry, you can email us Orient Outlook at Outlook com. So now, welcome to uh, the show to our next guest, who I think is making a debut. He actually. is making a debut. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Dan Slowinski. How you doing? Hello, you are mate. Hello. Yeah, not too bad. Good. How good. Good. Yeah, yeah, we are good. Thank you, mate. Thanks for coming on. And sorry, we're much later than we originally uh, suggested. So, just really wanted to hear your thoughts for the season because you've been travelling up and down the country. Uh, with the supporting them, following the team, haven't you? So, thoughts yeah, on the been season? A, a long old season, to be honest. Um, kind of glad it's out of the way, just because of you know the real significance of what's actually happened. And, you know, now we can have time to reflect, and hopefully, you know, we get some good news in the next coming months. That's what I'm hoping for, anyway. So, yeah, we hope so. I mean, I guess for you, Dan, what was the point where you thought actually this isn't really happening this season? I think we might be in trouble here. Do you know what? It was it was just before the transfer window window opened. I'll be honest. I, I really felt that um, we looked like a side that obviously um, on paper it should be more than uh, good enough to you know at least hold its own in the division. But just look look like a side that bereft of confidence. And obviously with all the on field matters and manager changes, it didn't help at all. It's just a, a car crash of a season, really. Let's be honest. But, yeah, no, it really was, and I guess, I guess when relegation came, it was kind of expected, and your reaction was captured uh, in a video that's doing the oh. rounds. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, it's it was heartfelt, but it's the worst time to be uh, to be interviewed after a game, especially more more so. I've seen other people crying. I think that's what set me off as well. And when we were walking along that walkway just outside the ground, like people were just wailing. Honestly, like there's no other words to describe. The, the feeling, uh, I think, just the the end of the game. It was just the, the realization of what had actually happened. You know. Yeah, I mean, how, how, how did that come about? Then, did you get approached to buy? A... Um, to, to be honest, I, I knew of Copinotti for for a long time, mm. and um, Ellie, the guy, uh, the Australian fellow who, who was uh, uh, like asking the questions and just following the team, he was. In the away end at Luton, and I spotted him, and he came over and surprised, and then he sent it up into a documentary where he ended up following the team because he was only going to do originally Luton, but obviously results and stuff. He wanted to see it out, so until we we were finally down. So, so there weren't obviously many highlights last season, but did you have a favourite game? Um, for me, Plymouth, just because of the sheer. Uh, amazing scenes just because no, no one expected it like we'd gone there I think we're 6 or 7 to 1 to win and <laughs> Plymouth at home they're kind of topsy-turvy anyway but everyone had written us off and we had a young team and we just turned up on the night we could, honestly to be losing uh, 2-1 at the time when we got the equaliser I would have happily taken the point but to go and win it in the way we did Sandro in front of the away ends like oh, <laughs> the feeling was uh <laughs> Pure ecstasy. That's what I say. Yeah, we, we complete <laughs> contrast the crew. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. That's what why, why uh, so what football does to you, and it? it's a beautiful yeah. game, and it's also the most heartbreaking game at times as well. So, a favourite goal for you last season? Um, oh, 
There's a few, there's a few good ones. I'd say I don't know. I think Sandro's was good because it was a. He was he was playing in a different position and he, he kind of got the ball and he just was out of him really. But I think Massey's goal uh, away to Plymouth. A good shout. Yeah, yeah. It was just something else, wasn't it? it was a fantastic <laughs> goal. And I guess the, you, the, the first one, Massey's first. Yeah, when he curled it into the bottom corner after that amazing sure. run that he done. So I guess for you then, what what do you hope happens in the summer? I guess it's a pretty generic answer from from an Orient fan. But what would you like to see happen? Would you like to see Ome given a chance, or do you think it needs to be someone with a bit more experience of managing? Well, um, you know, you can say that experience is required, but how, how does a manager get experience? I mean, he has to be given a, a chance. And to be honest, a lot of Orient fans like Danny Webb. I mean, and then what happened there, we'll never know unless it comes from the horse's mouth. But Omar, he really stuck with the team and. For that, I think he needs to be given a chance. I really, really like him as a person. He comes across very well. And you know what? We just need stability. That's the key thing moving forward. In the summer, if he, you know, you've seen these uh, organised pre-season friendlies already. So that at least someone's actually doing something and not just leaving and waiting. So he has to be commended for that, in my opinion. So yeah, give him a chance and, and hopefully he can, uh, you know... <laughs> Put a smile back on our faces. Yeah, that's 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 all that we're hoping for, and that we get someone yeah. in. If Piketty is genuinely setting, that we can get someone in that that can sort it out and, and and get us on the straight and narrow again, and hopefully we have a successful season uh, and of bounce course, straight yeah. back up. Yeah, well, so. you know, I mean, it's it's a long hold uh, year. I mean, to be actually in the the National League now, it, you know, it won't really sink in until you start going to some of the away grounds and stuff. I mean, but it's, a, it's a very competitive league. I mean, I watched uh, the, uh, the playoff final uh, this afternoon and, you know, I felt for Tranmere, but, you know, Forest Green, they were the better, the t- better team on the day. And, you know, they've put a lot of money into that club. So it just shows that it's hard to get out of that league, you know. So. Um, yeah, I'm all hoping it goes in, in the way... That's taken Mark Cooper two years to get him out there. He joined them two, yeah, he did, two seasons yeah. ago. He dropped out of Swindon, I think, and then he went. He went there. So it, it just proves to you that it's not an easy league to get out of. That's exactly it. Yeah, Dan, thank you for joining us, mate, and for making your Hour in Outlook uh, podcast debut. Always appreciated, mate. Okay, cheers. Sorry for uh, welling up on that uh, documentary, but it was just that's what happened at the time. It's one of those things. Isn't it? No, but that's amazing. it. There's no need to apologise. That's that's the raw emotion of it all, and, and we all feel it. We all we all feel gutted, but uh, no doubt we will see you either next week at the charity match or pre-season. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll see you guys later. All right, Have a good evening. You care, too. Dan. Take care. Bye. Bye. So that was Dan Sawinski speaking about the season. So Dan pretty much goes to every Orient match. So we thought it'd be good to speak to him and get him on the podcast. And as well, he's on that YouTube video that you can probably find all over Twitter. So our last guest who I was introducing last time, uh, before incorrectly, I... before Paul phoned the wrong number, <laughs> I didn't realise, uh, is returning Guardian journalist Shona Duffy in her first season. And what a first season um, it's been, I I will ask her when, when she answers the phone that she can't have expected half the um, half the dramas that have happened to her. So we'll welcome her now. Good evening, Shona. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, thank you. We were just saying, what a first season it's been for you to cover the club. <laughs> it's been a bit mental, but like a roller coaster is what I explained, explained it like. Yeah, I mean, so so let's get your thoughts on the season. And I mean, I guess when you joined, you thought you'd be reporting on a club who'd 
be at the um, top end of League Two as opposed to the bottom end of League Two. That's exactly what I thought when I took over. You know, I thought um, Orient were very unlucky last season just to miss out on the playoff spots. So I thought um, they would definitely go ahead and uh, challenge for it this season. But <laughs> as it turns out, that wasn't really meant to be. No, it wasn't. And so where do you think it went wrong in, in terms of the team and the, and the club as a whole? I think... Andy Hassan said, you know, when he first started, when he was manager, you know, he said they needed a central defender, and that was a key thing that Orient needed all season, and that was something he wasn't able to get in before the season started, and he never did because he was sacked um, in September. And I think that was one of the key issues that needed to be addressed before the you know League Two season began, and it wasn't. Um, and the home record, it, it just seemed to leak at Brisbane Road every game, and nobody could understand what was going on. Yeah, I mean, as a journalist trying to build relationships with managers when a manager keeps getting replaced are you thinking <laughs> what, what what does a journalist think because me and Paul don't we don't we, we, we see it as fans but obviously I guess when you're trying to build that personal relationship you're just thinking well it's no point in me getting to know I don't know Danny Webb because I think Danny will go in a month or two um yeah, I, when it when it's when it got to Andy Edwards, I really liked him, and then when he left, I was like, okay, I need to stop trying to build relationships with the manager. Um, but you know, Danny was really easy to get on with, which was really nice, and so was Omar. But you know, it's not—I don't feel it's the same as I did at the start of the season, where I was trying to get to know Andy Tyler a lot more. Cavison, I couldn't really ever get to know because he was Italian, so there was always that barrier. Um, but yeah, I always really liked Edwards. I got up with him when he took over for that two games and then he did eventually get the job. I was really happy about it. And then when he went, I was kind of like, okay. <laughs> the relationships can't really be lasting that long in, in terms of Orient this season. And what about your relationships with the boarding? Because you quite, well, not quite famously, but notoriously went up and asked uh, Vito on the train home. From Crew. Uh, I think it was from Crew, I think Paul said, about to make a comment. And he said, he just said no comment. Yeah, t- tell us about how that conversation went. <laughs> well, I saw him getting on my train and I was a little bit annoyed that he was getting on the train. So I just thought I would take it upon myself to go ask him a question that everyone was on into because um, Paul Hiscock from the Presto Station, we chat to him for weeks and he keeps like going on his phone or walking away from us, you know, asking questions. But I thought he can't really get away from me on the train because it's moving at like 100 miles per hour. <laughs> so... I walked through and I just said to him, I was like, oh, hi, Vito, how are you? Can I, you know, just ask you a few questions? And he just said, I've got no answers. And I says, I've I've got nothing to say. And I was like, what, even about when the staff are going to be paid? And he's like, I have no comment. And I could see he was like looking at his phone again. I wasn't going to get anything from him. But I just thought I needed to try and address that because he was the only one that anyone was getting any word from, from the Italians. So that was why I did that. Hmm. And, And was he sat in standard class or first class? No, he was in first class. And this is at a time when people hadn't been paid at the club as well, right? Yeah, that's when people still had to be paid. Very naughty. So, Shani, obviously you was at Crew. I mean, what was the feeling like when the full-time whistle went and relegation was confirmed? What was that like? It was really, it was quite sad. I did think it was quite sad. You know, her and Dave Victor on the um, Orient player, that was really uh, quite heart-wrenching to hear. But I kind of feel like it was almost the inevitable. Like, I kind of knew it was coming. It was just a case of when, not if, unfortunately. That's what I felt like when it came to full-time. Yeah, yeah. So moving on, like, to finish up, then what, so what, what needs to happen in the summer? I think things need to start being in place now. You know, we don't really, still don't know what is going on because we thought that the shooting company had been paid and I found out last week that they hadn't been. So 
that's the stewards of I think the stewards have been paid, but the company who um, deals with them hasn't been paid. So that's why their um, petition was came out last week. But that would still have happened anyway, because even if they had been, because that was what was asked at the court date last time. Um, you need to know who the manager is. You need to know what players are staying. You need to know, um, and see Omar has set up some fixtures, which is great. You know, he's trying to do stuff, but he's doing stuff off his own back. He's not doing stuff with, from what I'm seeing from the board. So we need to know what's going on. Is Bikai staying or is he going? Is he, what, we don't know yet. That's that's the main thing is that needs to be addressed first before we can start putting any more plans in place. Absolutely, absolutely. Shona, great roundup. Thank yeah, you. great roundup of your first year. I'll take it you're back yeah. to the second. I am back next season, yes, I'll be there. Building relationships with the managers. Building <laughs> from the men for five. Hopefully not five next time. Hopefully, yeah, <laughs> hopefully just the one. Um, <laughs> but um, you've seen some of the press boxes that uh, are at some of the League Two grounds. Wait till you go to some of the non-League ones. There, you're, you're in for a real surprise. Already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thanks very much for a real indeed. Treat. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Thanks for joining us, Shona. And no we'll, problem. Uh, we'll see you soon. Take care. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye. So that was local Guardian reporter Shona Duffy. And that was all our guests. I thank you to Matt Porter. Thank you to Dave Victor. Thanks to Dan Slowinski. And thank you to Shona for coming on because this is a bit later than what we anticipated. Yeah, we've gone on for much longer than I thought we would as well. We are moving in into the home straight of the final podcast of the season. So negatives and positives as always in. So negatives, we're just going to keep it short and sweet, free of each. First of all, relegation and dropping out of the Football League. And I think we both would have anticipated this when we both were doing the podcast in yeah. August. Biggest positive, definitely not so relegation, is Francesco Bichetti. Just the way the man's acted, yeah. handled his affairs through the club. Just yeah. him yeah. alone. Massive negative and can't wait till um, he leaves the club. And thirdly, we have lost some great staff this season. From the beginning of, of last season, really, through to this. You know, Colin's gone now. Charlie's gone. Various medical... Um, personnel gone personnel managers leave, good managers good coaches good managers, gone yeah. yeah so hopefully we can replace them with people just as skilled and uh, just as talented yeah so positives to end on then uh, obviously the emergence of the youth team players as um, Dave Victor had said earlier some of them have really held their own Loft yeah, really have yeah obviously the emergence not the emergence but really sort of Loft stepping up and, and putting together their battle uh, their battle plan for the future uh, and also really the galvanisation and the togetherness shown by the fan base um, so which has probably never happened uh, before certainly not in my time uh, of being a Leighton Orient fan so those are the positives and negatives really of the overall season so we ran some polls earlier this week we ran I think five or we six did. of them there six polls um, um, and thank you to everyone who voted I think they were all very um, highly Highly voted on. So the first yeah. one was our Young Player of the Season um, award. Uh, we had 593 votes. So in fourth place, Josh Caroma on 7%. And top three was really tight, actually. In third place was Sam Sargent on 27 Second place, Sandro Semedo on 30 And winning the Orient Outlook Podcast Young Player of the Year award, 36%, Miles Judd. Well, well done, Miles. Well done, young man. And then we had Match of the Season. Um, nominations were Stevenage at home 3-0 Plymouth away 3-2 Newport away 4-0 and Hartlepool at home 2-1 490 votes Stevenage at home took 8% of the vote coming 4th in 3rd place Hartlepool at home uh, got 18% runner up Newport away 4-0 but with 54% of the vote and Dan Slawinski mentioned it's his favourite match and show, so did Dave Victor <laughs> Plymouth away 3-2 well done so that was in the good one then we have 
goal of the season and nominations were Simpson's second goal versus Colchester I mean that feels like a lifetime ago yeah. uh, Massey versus Portsmouth away Massey's first versus Plymouth away and Sandro Semedo versus Colchester 348 votes Simpson's goal came in last with 7% Massey's verse versus Plymouth uh, 11% Massey v Portsmouth on 19% but with a whopping 63% of the vote for Sandro Semedo against Colchester so well done Sandy can't do the drum roll after you've announced it. Is that what I've done? Yeah. Oh, amazing. Mate, it's the tiredness. <laughs> it's the tiredness. So, villain of the season, no surprises here, really. We had 465 votes on this one. Alessandro Angelari and Vito Michelli both took 1% of the vote. EFL took 12%, but a winner by a huge percentage. There's Francesco Pichetti hey. with 86. I am surprised that he took as much of the percentage, considering... Beto being the messenger boy, I thought he would, as the whipping boy, I thought he Possibly, would, the public yeah. face of Pichetti, I thought he would get more. And Alessandro's two statements that he put out, um, oh, see, I, mean, I thought he would have got more, but uh, swings and roundabouts, I know that. he would. Pichetti's the overarching yes. devil here. The so, side of the yeah. piece, yeah. So two more awards to tell you about. The unsung hero of the season. I mean, everyone on this list is a hero anyway, plus the people who didn't make 100%. the list, but we you know, had to get a shortlist. So nominations were Howard Gord, Lindsay Martin, Colin and Charlie, and Loft. We had over 500 votes for this one. In uh, fourth place with Colin and Charlie at 9%, Howard Gord 17%, runners up Loft at 25%, and taking 49% of the vote was... <laughs> Lindsay Martin. So well done, Lindsay. Well done, Lindsay. But again, you know, everyone at the club who's worked for yeah. the club this season all heroes but we, we wanted to do some kind of award just to highlight um, those people and lastly vote now uh, for the Orient Outlook player of the season this one had 665 votes so a huge amount of votes here um, nominated was Gavin Massey Tom Parks Michael Collins and Nicky Hunt Parks and Hunt finished joint lastly both getting 4% of the vote um, and who I thought would have won actually came second. So Gavin Massey came second on 44%. But the winner of the Orient Outlook player of the season is Michael Collins. Well, so well done, Collins. Michael Collins. And so, he kindly replied and said thanks for everyone he who did. voted. He did, he tweeted, which was, really lovely. which was really nice of him. So obviously it means a lot to him and he said as much. And you know he came uh, as an out-of-contract player, I think in November, signed a full-time deal in January that no one expected him to sign. Um... And he wins that play of the year award. So yeah. well done to Michael. So that's it on this um, sort of epic uh, end of season roundup. Just uh, next week's fixture, though, there is one. It's the Loft Charity Match, which is happening at Redbridge uh, FC, which is in Barkingside, near Barkingside Station, which is on the central line. If you're coming by tube, you will need a Hainault via Newbury Park <laughs> train. Do not get on the Debden, Epping, Loughton, Woodford or anything like that. You need a Hainault via Newbury Park, a Woodford via Hainault, something that goes to Hainault basically because of the, the loop that Barkingside is on. So that's going to be three matches of 45 minutes, three different teams of supporters playing three teams of legends. So you've got Lisby down there, Mooney, Paul Hyde, Matt Lockwood, tons of them really. The list goes on. So get yourself down there. If you're going to only see one game, come to the two o'clock game because you will find the Orient Outlook boys on the same team embarrassing themselves. Oh, I'm going to make a complete on the hash pitch. Of it, so me and Paul will be playing in that first match at two o'clock. But there's loads of stuff to do for the family. Yeah. Come for the later games, don't worry. For the rap, there's going to be raffles. There's yes, going to be there's lots some good going stuff on. for the raffle. And to talk about uh, items for the regeneration fund, our auction returns this week, um, and we're going to get all items we have sold 
by Thursday. And if you're going to the Loft match on Saturday, we'll give you your items as long as you pay for them um, on Saturday. Then, yeah, and then exactly. we'll make our big contribution. I think it's almost £7,000 when I last looked. I, I might be wrong. Off. I might be wrong. So thank you um, if you've bought anything on that. There are some big um, items to come and we'll announce those either Monday or Tuesday. Tuesday and yeah. we forgot about it, but Fantasy Football League... Um, it's all very close in Fantasy Football Whoops. League it's very very close so at the moment we have a new leader now Barry Underwood who leads on 2,430 points just four points ahead of Andy Everling who is a new person in the top two or three so well done to Andy I'm still in 22nd lots could change we'll do some kind of tweet to announce who wins it because obviously there's not going to be a podcast um, yeah, that's it. When that gets announced, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so one date for your diary as well. Keep in mind the court case, the winding up petition is being reheard on the 12th of June. That is a Monday. So that's it. Thanks for joining us for episode number 106. And what a season it's been. One that started with so much hope and expectation has turned into one where we all feel lucky just to have a functioning club. The season has seen too many managers, players, and staff come and go. Protests, loft meetings, jubilation, cheers, tears, emotions, court case and much, much more. In our 135 year history, nobody has seen anything like it and hopefully drama like this is never to be seen again. Hopefully by the time we record our next episode, we will be under new ownership. All we can do is hope. Next season sees a new experience for the Orient as will be in the National Conference. So who knows what that will bring, but rest assured... We will be here every step of the way to keep you updated as always. Yeah, and like we've said before, if we do get new ownership, we will do um, a podcast on the cuff and make it like a party one and we'll you know, we'll get the beers and then try and do it live or something like that. So again, a huge thank you to everyone who has listened, tweeted, spoken to us. It's been an honour about your input and support. The podcast will not be worth doing. Wish everyone leaving the club the best of luck in the future. And we wish you all a very happy and a non-stressed summer. So enjoy your summer holidays and get those Orient shirts out in foreign lands. Send us your pics of you representing the O's wherever you may be. So we'll be back with episode 107 later in the summer, or maybe even before, depending on if the club gets bought, with all the information and views that you could ever need. So we look forward to hearing from you. And as always, keep calm, have a great summer, and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast yeah and we're going to leave you this week as we're going on our summer holidays so is cliff richard up the o's <laughs> up the o's <laughs>